a podcast about love stories in all shapes and sizes. Hi. Hello, Kendall. How are you? I'm good. It's been a while. It has been a while. We had some technical difficulties. And thankfully, they are all better. Hopefully, knock on wood. Hopefully. I mean, my laptop is almost eight years old. So, um, no, that's not true seven years old six years old who knows it's old and um only going to go downhill from here <laughs> <laughs> so if we go dark you know why <laughs> truly because we literally <laughs> went dark like no technology um yeah. what's new what's up how are you well my first update is that i am going to my sister and brother-in-law's house to see my niece and nephews and i'm so excited i'm leaving tonight and i'm so happy i haven't seen them since the summer and i miss them and i'm so excited that's so fun yeah um and then my second update is that i got a job (gasps) what (laughs) jay just looked at me (laughs) i've been waiting to tell you on the podcast (laughs) oh my gosh so i will still be working in higher ed just as a a full-time professional staff member um i haven't officially quit school yet i'm waiting for uh the i like just submitted the background tech stuff so i'm waiting for all the paperwork and stuff to be done before I tell my school, I think I'm going to try to take a leave of absence in case I want to go back. But yeah. um, I'm so I do not want to have that conversation, but it will have to be had. But Oof. I'm excited. Oh, that's so exciting. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, thank you. Yay. I've been um, doing a lot of online shopping, getting my work wardrobe in order. So, so you get to go into school? Or? Yeah. So, well, not school, but. It'll be a school, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, they're starting back in person. So Ooh, I'm going to be in person, which I've been dreading going back in person in general. So to have to go back in person at a new place is really scary. But yeah, that'll be okay. Thanks. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, what a great update. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's so exciting. What about you? What updates do you have? Um. I went to South Carolina last yeah. week. It was it really looked, fun. It looked so nice there. It was, the the weather was like 75 and perfect. It was pretty breezy. The vibe is kind of like California, but Southern. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. It was like, there's like a main street where there's a bunch of shops and there's a lot of restaurants. Everyone, it was like a college town. So there was oh. like a lot of younger people and. Um, Wait, which city? Charleston. Oh, ah, oh, duh. She's wearing a Charleston sweatshirt. <laughs> so I didn't mean to do that. I'm not trying to give them so much free promo, but, um, and there's beaches too, which is nice. So I got pretty tan. Um, Fun. yeah, it was overall a really great time and it was nice to just unplug for a bit. And I came mm-hmm. back feeling really re-energized. So that was Good. nice. You, so you weren't working while you were there? Um, I had to do like some things here or there, but mm-hmm. majority, not really. So. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, other than that, but, oh, I was going to say something else, but now I forget. I have boy drama as always. What's the, the Lizzo <laughs> lyric is like, 
yeah, I got boy problems. That's the human in me. Yeah. Bling, bling. Then I saw them. That's the goddess in me. That's where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just, you know, trying to have my best hot girl summer. <laughs> Fulfill my final form as a hot girl in summer. So that's where we're at. Yep. <laughs> Super exciting. Yes. Um, oh, I have a cat fact. Oh, I completely forgot about cat facts. I didn't even write it down. So I'm going to go off memory. So, okay. um bear with me but i wonder if kitty ever does this so both of my cats love playing with toys mm-hmm. they're you know they're still kittens so it makes sense but um and one of my cats emerald she is like a hunter you know so she'll mm-hmm. grab it she'll meow she'll like yowl and be like look at dinner time you know <laughs> and the other thing i've noticed is that she goes and drops the toys in her food and water bowls oh does kitty do that no Okay, so they do this all the time. And also, huh. since I've gotten my piercing, I've been using I, Q-tips a lot. Yeah. And so they get the Q-tips out of the trash and play with those. Those are Ew. like their, Well, yeah, that's gross. Um, So, I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot, like, gross. It's, no, I don't yeah, actually, yeah. like, put them in my ear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's gross. Um, So I've noticed, like, Q-tips are in their food and water bowls. Oh, my and gosh. They also take out, like, the little face pads that I use to, uh-huh. like you know, the cotton pads, they like love playing with all that. So they, I find them in the food and water bowls. They also bring them to me in bed. So anyways, but I was like, okay, why are they putting it in the food and water bowls? Like, that's weird. You know, like what's Mm -hmm. the psychology behind that? Mm -hmm. So I Googled it and there's a few reasons. One, it could be that they're trying to hide it or like gather all of their stuff into one place. So they want to like their food and water bowl you know they want their toys over there too mm-hmm. or their prey you know because that's what mm-hmm. they think it is or maybe maybe they don't i don't know so they <laughs> keep it all in, you know consolidated in one place where that's their stuff their property <laughs> or they just always have it in their mouth and they go to eat so they have to just like drop it to <laughs> get food and water you know like whatever um but the one that i i think is true this is like truly my theory at least with my cats is that they are bringing it into the water bowl to drown it <gasps> like to further torture their prey like i oh really my think gosh that's yeah because <laughs> there was that's so there was, sinister <laughs> well i really think that's it because emerald will literally find one specific toy she'll carry it all around and yowl and yowl and be like look at you know like this is what i have and i have to tell her she's a good girl you know praise her for hunting and being a good killer and then she goes and drops it in the water huh she's a provider she's she like is. kendall i have your dinner i put the hello fresh dinner. away yeah. <laughs> literally <laughs> so anyways i thought that was funny that they're just like you know sadistic and wanting to torture yeah. their, their prey even further by drowning it oh that's so interesting no i've never seen kitty do that yeah my my family cat bella never did that either but um, so when they started you're like uh i know I, I, at first I thought it was just like an accident but then it kept happening and I was like okay there's a pattern a, here yeah it sounds messy yeah. honestly it is a little bit but yeah well um music love mm-hmm. um so I think we have to preface this that both of us you more than me are not music people right I I have become more of a music person mm-hmm. and I have a theory why and I wonder I don't know. My theory is I didn't like listening to music because I found it a little boring. Like, I hmm. didn't think that there was enough um, 
stimulation I guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so I was just like I would get bored just listening to songs like I wanted to listen to a story or something to follow you know but now I since I'm like really busy at this time in my life I don't mind listening to music because it's like a brain break and Ah. I think that's like what's happening I'm like evolving into taking a break from always being you know on with my brain so interesting yeah I um I like can't listen to music and think at the same time like Mm. do anything and so since most of the stuff I'm doing is like reading and I have to be like thinking I just don't have time to listen to music yeah because I'm yeah yeah. I'd rather be if I'm not doing that I'd rather be like watching tv or something and then podcasts came around and I much prefer podcasts to music but I feel like since um I also I also mostly only like to listen to songs that I know yeah and since I don't listen to music, I don't know very many songs. Yeah. So I feel like TikTok has changed this a little bit because I'll like recognize it and then I'll want to listen to it. So I, I I feel like it's changed the slightest bit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm still not very much of a music person. Um. But I was reminded. <laughs> this is so stupid. I was reminded that um my dear husband is actually <laughs> like a musician. <laughs> Yeah. which i i honestly didn't really think about <laughs> yeah. um he is a classically trained musician and conductor and he um actually kind of like works in the music industry now um which is so i i don't know why i didn't even think about that but so i was like I, that clicked in my head and i was like wait do you have any good stories and um he didn't really give me any good stories that he could that i could say right now but um he did tell me of some like dramatic um historical examples of musicians and stuff so that is where my story came from today interesting love that yeah so we'll get more into that later but i i just thought that was funny that is funny (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're married to a musician and you don't really like music but that's okay yeah Mm -hmm. does he does he like often listen to music um he'll listen to it for work because he to keep up with things and oh yeah stuff uh and he'll listen to classical music yeah I don't think sometimes um not but he'll like watch performances I don't know but he doesn't listen to music that much either honestly so a couple a match made in musical non-musical heaven yep perfect love it well um love facts yeah, we'll see what we each... We haven't talked about this at all, so we'll see what we each yeah. came up with. <laughs> Mine no? are not love-related at Mine all. are neither. Oh. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, or we did the same thing. Um, I have three. Me too. Okay. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> so if you like more genres of music, it means you're more creative and open-minded with like... Which, like, duh. I mean, yeah. obviously. But still interesting jade is so polite there's like my phone is in the way of her getting down and she was just like um i don't know where to step um but also in addition to more genres meaning you're more creative and open-minded music can help alleviate depression and chronic pain up to 20 percent i just like put my mouth on my microphone that was disgusting (laughs) um (laughs) that wait up to 20 percent yeah that's weird and i'll talk about kind of why in my next fact okay yeah i don't think we did the same one so that's good um 
Because I have a little bit about like the history of music. Great. So while the first known hand axes are around 1.7 million years old, the earliest known musical instruments are about 40,000 years old. Hand axes like a tool? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was like a hand axis. I was like, what? Was <laughs> hand I was axes. Think- <laughs> I was thinking that as like a one word and I'm like, is that? I don't know what that is, but then we processed. We used context clues to figure it out. Yes. Also, 1.7 million years and 40,000 years, like, no thank you. Wait, what? Million? So, yeah. Do you hear that crow? I do. Sorry. Wait, million? Is that right? There's definitely not humans a million years ago. Wait, did I write this down wrong? There can't be humans a million years ago. There was Wait, no, this says... Okay, well... Okay, that was from a BBC article. I just Googled how old is the oldest hand axe, and this says 1.2 million. Maybe cavemen? I guess. What do I know? I don't know anything. Okay, well, it's old. Okay. Musical instruments <laughs> are less old. Sure. Makes sense. So, researchers estimate that music has existed for way longer than that 40,000 years, though. Um, and it might even be a, have been a way for our ancestors to communicate with each other before language developed. So, music might, like, predate language what um yeah and which i guess makes sense because you know like birds and stuff but yeah wait does that uh, count as music i think well like like um i i know mocking jay is not the right word because that's a hunger games thing blue jays mocking birds they they copy what you say wait did you read hunger games yeah mocking jay yeah I it's think mocking a mocking bird. a mocking bird is a mocking bird. bird. So I didn't that didn't that happen that they communicate through that? Birds? I feel like like they or sing people. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting weird. Let's let's move on. <laughs> this is like cat facts devolved into like <laughs> we have no idea what we're talking about. Um <laughs> but speaking of animals, uh-huh. or non-human animals some monkeys can even distinguish between sound patterns in a way similar to the way that humans make sense of melodies so our musical origins might even be like deeper than Whoa. um homo species so wow um finally the human voice gained its full range at least five hundred and thirty thousand years ago so it's also likely that other homo species like neanderthals had also had the ability to sing so oh. I don't really know anything. I'm confused. About that's the, things. That in space just like I don't really get it. It it I just find it so trippy. I can't think about it. Why don't we talk more about like evolution? Is it cuz it's controversial and the Christian Probably. church is like trying to oppress it? A big um big church. Big yeah. church. <laughs> oh, yikes. Okay. Well, um Anyways, so my last fact was that, you know, it could help alleviate depression and chronic pain. And that Mm -hmm. is tied to or could be associated with the fact that the brain releases dopamine when you're listening Mm -hmm. to music that you like. So um, when you especially when you find a new song, you're Mm -hmm. like, you know, you have that little rush of like, okay, this is a good song. You know, that's dopamine triggering that feeling. Um, Additionally, this is why... You can remember songs and 
things you associate with songs better because oh, you know like when you in school yeah. when you'd like associate things with a song to remember it easier it's because the same brain part of the brain is responsible for storing memories when than it is like listening to songs so it makes the connection when that dopamine is released to like whatever the memory yeah. is that you're doing and the song oh my gosh or when you like you have like the song in the summer you know and it brings back all those good yeah. summer memories like that yeah that's so cool maybe right? I wonder if our brains don't release as much dopamine and that's why we don't like music as much, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> our depressed little brains are like, eh. Wait, that's funny. Not worth it. Yeah. Could be. How interesting. Um, okay, so we haven't had one of these for a while, um, but this next fact comes to you from Music Facts <gasps> for Kids. Yes. <laughs> Love it. So there are eight main periods in music history, which will become relevant to my story, as we will see. So here they are. We have prehistoric music, which was before the development of writing, which I've never really thought about. Like, weird. Um, Ancient music, which was before 350 CE. Medieval music, which was about 350 to 1400 renaissance music which was 1400 to 1600 baroque music 1600 to 1750 the classical music period 1750 to 1820 the romantic period 1820 to 1900 and finally the modern period 1900 to now i wonder what the next one will be called yeah like if you have modern where do you go postmodern i wonder if there's a postmodern period because Already happening? Maybe. Or like weird music, you know? Hmm. 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 Well, um, that makes sense. Like it Mm -hmm. corresponds with the art movements too, right? Yeah. I guess it's kind of the same thing. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Well, my last fact is kind of on the flip side of or the the same side of the coin of my last fact that um advertising music that companies use is like the most methodically picked out thing so (gasps) i think apple is very known for having a specific type of music associated with any of their commercials that will specifically like wire your brain to want to buy their product oh i wonder how yeah, like what it is about, like what features they choose or whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't, um, but I was also, this reminds me like total tangent of like um, grocery stores and stuff that, um, mm. oh, in Disneyland, have you heard about all the psychological things that Disneyland does? They like pump a specific scent into the air that makes you hungry and want to buy more. Oh. And then they keep the AC in the stores like super high so that you feel when it's hot outside you want to go into the ac but then once you get in the ac you're cold so you want to buy a jacket oh my gosh capitalism and marketing is scary and music's a part of it yeah yeah i never thought i mean advertising like in commercials makes sense but in other contexts weird yeah i know are you okay (laughs) jade just got on my like flimsy little table and then tipped it over so it's okay disregard that that was all oh um okay um my last one 
um, is a little bit sciencey. So here are five music facts based in research. So first, I do hear that bird. <laughs> now that we're talking about them, here. Just yeah. Um. So a 2014 study found that of the pot. <laughs> Of the pop hits from the 1940s to the present, the catchiest song is Wannabe by the Spice Girls. Number two was Mambo Number 5, and number three was Eye of the Tiger. Okay. Um, So, number two, certain music might make you more generous. Uh, Researchers had people play a game where they were dictators (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and in their role as dictators, they were like giving out rations to their citizens. And those who listened to chill songs were way more generous to their citizens as dictators than the dictators who listen or who didn't listen to music or who listened to music that they didn't like. Weird. So that might be some kind of political strategy we should think about. Maybe. Um, Number three is that unborn babies can hear and react mm. to music. And to do this, they stick a microphone up into a pregnant person and um, they to like measure how, like if you could hear actually music in the womb and you can. And then they like measured the baby's heart rate and stuff in response to the music. Um, number four, about 40% of musicians hear music in their dreams, but only 18% of non-musicians do. Interesting. I don't yeah. think I, I I would do like a whole if I don't know. I think dreaming is very interesting and sleep in general is mm-hmm. very interesting and I could talk about it for a second, but um I remember majority of my dreams all the time. Oh like, I, I remember dreams from when I was a kid, you know, like recurring dreams I would have my first nightmare that I remember I can I can like picture it still. And I can lucid dream too. I think we've talked about <gasps> it. Maybe we haven't. Um Anyways, I think dreams are so cool. And so with that context, I don't think that I dream with music. And I think I would remember. Yeah. I I don't remember anything. I don't know what I dream about. I prefer not to dream. Really? Or not to remember. No. Um, I took... So for a while, I took Zoloft. And that is the only time I have ever remembered my dreams. And I hated it. Because I felt like I didn't get any sleep. It was just like dreaming. Yeah. Do you know when you're dreaming and if you dream a lot and that you remember, I guess it's because you were missing out on that REM sleep where you dream. So your body's trying to catch up because that's when you actually are like resting the most is when you're dreaming. Oh, weird. The the way you the, the reason people would remember it more than people that wouldn't is because of when you wake up in your REM cycle. So if you wake, if you're dreaming, like you're in REM sleep and mm-hmm. you wake up immediately after that, you're going to remember because it, it just happened, you know, but mm-hmm. if you dream and then you go into a deeper sleep and then you kind of wake up in the lighter sleep or you, so you're dreaming and then you sleep some more and deeper sleep and then you go into some lighter sleep and then you wake up, the dream happened like previous in the cycle and you've, it's already been time between when you dreamt and when you wake up. So. Huh. I feel like the only dreams I ever, ever, ever have remembered have been nightmares. So I mean, that makes sense, too. Yeah. I never thought I I never understood why that was. I just thought, you know, well, all the dreams I have are must be nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Okay. well, um, my fifth and final uh, little fact here is that pop music is so predictable that computers can write it. Ooh, cool. 
Yeah, and they can also add specific features that make it more likely to become a hit. Ooh, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. AI. AI. Gotta love it. There you go. Gotta be scared of it. The next big thing. I mean, it, it in is. In the pop music world. It's happening, I'm sure, you know. Oh. No, thank cool. you. Cool. Well, um, tell me a story. All right. Well, here is the story by it's um you might say a fan pick <laughs> or potentially a fake fan pick fake fan. since he claims to be a fan but doesn't listen. Fake fan. Zane, thank you. Thank you. Um so this is the soap opera worthy story Ooh. of Johannes Brahms. <laughs> Clara Schumann and Robert Schumann. Mm. Uh, And these are German names, so we're doing our best here. Um, So Johannes Brahms was born May 7th, 1833 in Hamburg, Germany. Um, His father was also a musician. So he got musical training from a young age. And he also started composing from a very young age. Uh, But his career really started to take off when he was around 20. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So he not only composed, composed, oh my gosh, he not only composed music, but he also played the piano and conducted. And he is mo- he's one of the most well-known composers from the Romantic period. Love it. Usually grouped with Bach and Beethoven as one of the three Bs known for their musical genius. Um, Robert Schumann was also a famous German composer of the Romantic era. He was born June 8th, 1810, and although he's maybe less known than Brahms now, he still had a lot of influence. So he started out originally studying law, um, but he eventually moved to a full-time music career, uh, beginning as a pianist, which again, I will talk about in a minute. Clara was born Clara Week? Week? on September 13th, which happens to be my birthday, um, in the year 1819. Her father was a pianist and a teacher, and her mother was a singer, and Clara was basically a child prodigy at the piano, and she was trained by her father, who worked really hard and, like, or or who worked her really hard and planned out her life and career, Um, but she became one of the greatest piano players of her time, and she also composed her own music, so she was just overall badass. Yeah. Um, when Clara was nine years old, she was performing in Leipzig when she met Robert Schumann, a man nine years her senior, who was enthralled with Clara's skills. Ew, I hate that. (laughs) Shuan was so interested um, that he quit doing what he had been doing, which was law school. He, like, asked his mom if he could quit. So I can pursue a nine-year-old? Thanks. Um, And he decided to take piano lessons from Clara's father. Mm. And he even rented a room in their house for a year. I don't know what happened um, or what Robert was thinking or anything about that little period, but... Um, both Clara and Robert's careers in music, composition, and performance continued. And in 1837, when Clara was 18 and Robert was 27, Robert proposed to Clara and she said yes. So she was 18 at that point. All right. Um, (laughs) but then they went to Clara's dad to ask for his blessing. And Clara's dad, however, was not having it. Uh Uh-oh. 
So Robert and Clara were like, that's rude. And they literally sued her dad. <laughs> Wait, what What was his opposition? I think it was probably because he was like, he was so focused on her career and, you know, her like abilities as a pianist. Yeah. She, he wanted her to focus on that. That's just, I don't know what I'm guessing. Okay. But they they sued him and they won, <laughs> I guess. Hmm. And so when the judge ruled in their favor, um, they got married after that, which was September 12th, 1840. So it was just one day before Clara turned 21. So it was a couple of years later. Wow, she's like an old maid. <laughs> yeah. So Clara, Robert, and Johannes all met 13 years later in 1853 when 20-year-old Johannes appeared at the Schumann household. Johannes had brought a letter from a famous violin player of the time named Joseph... I have no idea how to say his last name. Jo- Joshi- Joachim? Joachim? I don't know. Um, basically, and the letter basically was like endorsing him, telling Robert like, oh, Johannes is like brilliant. You should talk to him. So Robert had Johannes play some of his compositions and he was very impressed. Um, so Robert and Clara became big supporters and mentors for him. And Johannes even lived in their house for a while. So... On February 27th, 1854, only a few months after Johannes met the Schumanns, Robert Schumann attempted to die by suicide by jumping off a bridge into the Rhine River. Robert had been facing um, issues with mental illness that had deeply affected him. He had been hearing different sounds and like music in his head and he had visions of angels and hell and stuff and he was just like not doing good. Um, it's now thought that he potentially had bipolar disorder or even mercury, mercury, mercury poisoning. Um, thankfully Robert was rescued from the river, but he was then taken to a facility to deal with his mental health issues, um, which were at the time diagnosed as psychotic melancholia. Hmm. So clearly he's probably not getting that much help there. Um, and Clara was actually pregnant with her and Robert's seventh child Oof. at the time. Seven? Did they all live? I think so, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I think they eventually had seven or eight. Um, so after hearing about what happened to Robert, Johannes went back to the Schumann house in Dusseldorf to help Clara with everything. And as you can maybe guess at this point, despite Clara being married and 14 years older than Johannes, little cougar here, she and Johannes developed a strong friendship that likely became even more. Mm. For example, in 1855, Brahms wrote a letter to Clara saying, I can do nothing but think of you. What have you done to me? Can't you remove the spell you have cast over me? And Clara later wrote to her children, you hardly knew your dear father. You were still too young to feel deep grief. And thus in those terrible years, you could give me no comfort. Then came Johannes Brahms. Your father loved and admired him. He came like a true friend to share all my sorrow. He strengthened the heart that threatened to break. He uplifted my mind. He cheered me. He cheered my spirit whenever and wherever he could. In short, he was my friend in the fullest sense of the word. Yikes. So, wait, is is the husband still alive just at the mm-hmm. facility? Yeah. Yes. So Robert Schumann, Schumann remained in the facility for the remainder of his life, and mm-hmm. he died there from pneumonia 
on July 29th, 1856, about two years after he was admitted. So he was in there while their friendship kind of continued, and then he died, um, and then they remained friends. Mm. So following Robert's death, Clara focused on her piano career and being a single parent. She traveled all over Europe, making sure to perform Robert's compositions to keep his memory and genius alive. Meanwhile, Johannes and Clara's relationship continued to deepen. Their relationship is perhaps most well-known for all the letters that they exchanged. And here are just a few excerpts. So Johannes wrote to Clara, I wish I could write to you as tenderly as I love you and tell you all the good things that I wish you. You are so infinitely dear to me, dearer than I can say. I should like to spend the whole day calling you endearing names and paying you compliments without ever being satisfied. Oh my gosh. Uh, thick. A man with words. Um, And then in 1858, Clara wrote to Johannes saying, I am waiting for another letter, my Johannes. If only I could find longing as sweet as you do. It only gives me pain and fills my heart with unspeakable woe. Farewell. Think kindly of your Clara. (laughs) She was like, I don't want to. I can't do long distance. Yeah. Too much. Sorry. I'm glad you're like still in love, but it's too much for me. Well, she's still in love. She just um, misses him. Gotcha, I think. Gotcha, gotcha. So at one point, um, Johannes and Clara even considered getting married, but they never did. Um, but even though they like clearly loved each other, and by this point, Robert had passed away and Clara was no longer married, it is believed that there is a real possibility that the two never actually slept together. Yeah. Um, Johannes even described Clara to a friend once, saying that she was virginal as ever. Mm. So I don't think that's... <laughs> how it works when you have seven kids but (laughs) (laughs) kind of missed the boat on that one but um so even with that though the two remained dear friends for the rest of their lives Brahms obviously became one of the world's most well-known composers and he was also an accomplished piano player himself he even dedicated several of his compositions to Clara and one in particular is from Opus 118 of his character pieces, which is really tender and beautiful if you want to look it up. Hmm. Okay, according to Brahms's Wikipedia page, though, in 1869, Brahms also fell in love with Robert Schumann's daughter and Clara's Ooh. daughter Excuse named me. Julie, hmm. who was 24 while she was or while he was 36. Hmm. So, uh, what are you doing, Brahms? Trying to keep it in the family. (laughs) Yikes. So, Julie ended up getting engaged to somebody else, and Johannes responded by writing a song (laughs) called Alto Rhapsody, which he gave to Clara to look over. She'd, like, look over his manuscripts or whatever. And Clara wrote in her diary that Johannes called it his wedding song and described the profound pain in the text and the music. So maybe Johannes is really just a hoe, honestly. Mm. And if you look in his picture on our website, mm-hmm. honestly, he looks kind of arrogant. So I don't know. Yeah, he does. Um, right? <laughs> yeah. But also Robert looks like Snape from Harry Potter. He's kind of scary. Yeah. yeah. I would um, rather have Johannes. He is a little cutie, yeah. Johannes, even though he looks arrogant, you know. Yeah. I also read that he was like five foot or five three, like he was well, tiny. But the height of people has grown yeah. a lot, you know. 
right? I wonder, like, yeah. People were short. So maybe that's like modern day. Five, maybe six. it was normal. Yeah. Or a little. Yeah. I, d- I wonder how tall Clara was, though. Anyway, so Johannes never married anyone and Clara never got remarried and they remained close friends, supporters and confidants for the rest of their lives. Clara and Johannes's relationship ended in March of 1896 when Clara died at the age of 76 from a stroke. Johannes's own health declined quickly after that and he died only 11 months later after Clara, um, even though he was significantly younger than Clara. So maybe something there. Mm. um but that is a broken heart sorry maybe yeah because he wrote he he wrote like some like angsty pieces after her death and Mm. so yeah it could have been um part of it at least um but that is a very dramatic music love story of johannes brahms and clara schumann the scandal of it all Mm Mm-hmm. love it old school uh drama little love triangle for you Wait, that's fun. I remember hearing about another, I think it was a true crime story where there was like a, I don't know, I think it was in the 1800s and there was like a older woman and then a younger guy who she like started, you know, what, what, are you listening to something? Yeah. Oh no, sorry. I'm listening to you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think. (laughs) No. And there was like a younger guy that would come over to her house and then like the husband, her husband was found dead in a closet or something do you know what he, and is this the one where he hides in the attic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. and she keeps him in her attic yeah for yeah all, for ever yeah yeah oh yeah that was kind of bad though huh she was like yeah. keeping him captive huh? yeah it wasn't mutual well maybe at well, first he was, like, he was young he's right? like can i get out of the attic <laughs> <laughs> i love you but like can i come downstairs <laughs> yeah Yikes. Okay, well, I love that. That was fun. Oops. Yeah, it's uh, it was kind of surprisingly juicy. When I read, I didn't know about the Julie thing. None of the other little things I read that, or I read, mentioned that. And then I saw that in his Wikipedia, and I was like, excuse Ooh. me, Johannes? <laughs> I thought this um, was like a sweet love story, but you're just like being weird now. Yeah, so. that's weird. Okay. So, I'm going to talk about... Yoko Ono and John Lennon. Do you know anything I, about either of these people? I thought Yoko Ono was a man. And no. then Zane told me that is not true. <laughs> Incorrect. So, yeah, I know really nothing. Is John Lennon a beetle? Yes. Okay. Is, or was. I, I knew that. Um. Okay. So, obviously, these two people are all uber famous. Uh-huh. And I probably missed some facts. So, we're just going to go, like, high level, you know, and mm-hmm. just, like, come along for the ride. And. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I'm going to talk about Yoko Ono first. And I have okay. a few pictures that I just literally threw up there. Um, oh. They look cool. They're very like vibes, you know. Mm. Um, okay. So Yoko Ono was born in 1933 in Tokyo, Japan. She moved to New York City in 1952 and enrolled in Sarah Lawrence College along with oh. she moved to New York along with her family. Do you know that college? Is that why you said oh like that? Oh. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just a college. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, I oh, they are. I'm sorry. I just pulled up the pictures. They are a vibe for sure. Right. I didn't ever look at the East Coast for schools because I knew that wasn't happening. So I just like am oblivious. <laughs> um, so 
Yoko Ono was very interested in the bohemian lifestyle and wanted to meet artists and poets and other people like that that were involved in that move. I don't know if it's a movement, but, you know, like vibe. <laughs> um, but her parents did not approve because they were pretty traditional and thought that they those types of people were beneath her, beneath, mm. beneath Yoko Ono. And um, despite that, she was like, mm, whatever, fine, I'm going to go live my life. So in 1956... Um, she left America and eloped with composer Tashi Ichiyangi. Um, they lived apart for several years and just like not, you know, they weren't weren't meshing. So um, they filed for divorce in 1962. After that, she returned to New York with her family and was suffering from depression and spent a little bit of time in a Japanese mental mental institution. Um, but then later that year, she married American musician Michael Cox. However, it was annulled a few months later because she hadn't officially divorced her first husband. Oh, no. <laughs> she was like, oops, sorry, I forgot about that guy. I, I thought I put it on paperwork, but apparently not. Um, so she was like, all right, hold on. Let me go get rid of that. She, you know, nixed that one and then they got remarried and everything was all good. Um, she gave birth to her daughter or their daughter. Um, their, her and Michael's marriage fell apart, but their professional careers were pretty intertwined. She was very into like performance art and all this stuff. There was like a lot of information about both of these two's like art. And I, a lot of it yeah. went over my head. I will be honest that they were talking about all this <laughs> stuff and I was like, I'm not, it's just in one ear out the other. So, um, there's a lot of obviously like artistic credit that needs to be due here, but that's not what we're here to talk about. So right. anyways, um, so her and Michael still worked together and like went and did performances together and co-parented their daughter, but they were not married. So John Lennon was born in 1940 in England. So he was seven years younger than Yoko Ono. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So at age 15, he created a band called the Quarrymen which was a skiffle group, which is what? apparently a type of music. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, so it was half skiffle, half rock and roll. And um, Lennon met Paul McCartney at a one of the Quarrymen's performance and asked him to join the band. Um, a few more people joined that are important that I don't care about. Mm -hmm. And um, fun fact, I actually did see Paul McCartney live, which was cool. Um, <laughs> I guess. I only knew like one song. It's really weird. Yeah, my parents are like, you have to see him. I'm like, all right. <laughs> cool. Um, so then in 1960, the group became officially the Beatles. And, you know, like, obviously, we don't need to talk about them. Everyone knows that the Beatles are yeah. like, crazy. Um, Even we know that. Right. They achieved mainstream success in 1963 and like, you know, blew up. Um, it was funny. I read uh, Antidote that john lennon was worried that the musical qual or the musical i guess quality would be affected because the fans were so loud at all of their concerts that people couldn't hear the music and oh my he gosh. was like really worried about that <laughs> that's wild i know weird flex but okay yeah um okay so now how do their lives intertwine so yoko ono was very involved in the art world like i mentioned performance art and all that good stuff um, she met Paul McCartney first to get a music manuscript from him for a project she was working. 
And then in 1966, she met Lennon at an Indica gallery in London where some of her work was on display. Uh, Lennon was not impressed by anyone else's work, but was intrigued with Yoko's. Um, So he was looking at her specific piece and someone came up to her and was like, you know who that is, right? And she was like, no. And (laughs) (laughs) they were, the person was like, okay, well, he's a millionaire. So like, maybe he's going to buy it. And she was like, well, I, she hadn't even heard of the Beatles. She didn't like know what was going on. Oh, love that. Um, Same. <laughs> so after that, they had like a little exchange. I think he did buy it. And but he only gave her like five shillings or whatever. But then I don't know. They had like a cute little <laughs> like clever conversation about it. You know, whatever. Um, they began corresponding after that. And at this point. Key to announce that Lennon has a whole ass wife <gasps> named oh. Cynthia. And so Yoko and Lennon, or John, Yoko and John are now like talking all the time. Yoko keeps calling, and Cynthia's like, um, why is this woman calling all the time? And Lennon's like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, like she's just some like art person. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 1968, Cynthia went on vacation to oh. Greece, oh, no. came back. And to the home, and Yoko was at their house in a room, in a robe, drinking tea, and the wife just said, "Oh hi." Not a good sign. No. So, um, John began to write some songs that mentioned her, uh, Yoko, and you know, obviously, it was like, okay, there's some stuff going on here. Also, Yoko got pregnant. Um, well, well yeah. She had a miscarriage, however, and so that was unfortunate for her, but also um, Cynthia and gone Cynthia and John got divorced, obviously, because yeah. there was some stuff going on there. It's like it was time. Right. So um John and Yoko created and attended a lot of Vietnam War protests. So a lot of their life was kind of dedicated to um a lot of this protests and like sit-ins or they, they said bed-ins. I don't know. Oh. I'm not familiar with a lot of this history, obviously. <laughs> but they were, um, you know, pretty active and vocal about their stances. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually they did get married in 1969. They worked together to combine advocacy and performance art. So I think that's what the first picture is showing. Hmm. Like they're, they're laying in the bed together and it's like peace, you know, all that good mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> this could have been a story for that one episode we did. What did you call it? Hippie love? That's not, is that what we called it? I think so. What's the or other word? Counterculture? Counterculture, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, John added Ono to his middle name. Oh. Yeah. Love that. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Something I thought was cute is that Yoko was injured in a car accident. So John brought in a whole king size bed into the recording studio so that she could hang out and lay down there while oh. they recorded their music. He's the sweet. first show up and he's like, gotta move this stuff away. Yeah. <laughs> um so I guess similar to Megan Markle, um, Ono received a lot of racism from the English tabloids mm. because she was Japanese and John Lennon you know and also the english just are the worst so it especially sounds like it, yeah i didn't realize it was like well obviously this was in the 60s 70s so it's different but 
Obviously not because I'm making my Obviously so. not that different. <laughs> Anyways, um, so that put a strain on their relationship as well as John had some drug charges and was facing legal issues. Hmm. Um, so there was some extenuating circumstances. They separated in 1973 because of the strains on their relationship and Lennon got with his personal assistant and oh. received Yoko Ono's blessing. But okay, this is like the weirdest thing. So what happened was they got John Lennon and his personal assistant like started having some sort of relationship, but then John Lennon like disappeared or the personal assistant didn't hear from him for a while and was like, what? During that time, she was like, okay, Yoko probably took him, you know? And so John Lennon, or Lennon, I said John Lennon. <laughs> Sorry, John Lennon. Um, John came back to the personal assistant and the personal assistant said like he was in this really weird daze and that he seemed like he had been brainwashed what? and uh, like it was like such a weird thing like what it what they were making it sound like is yoko took him away did something weird and like brainwashed him or drugged him or something and then went back and said that he's like in love with yoko and like that's his main person but she'll allow him to have this mistress what like super bizarre very bizarre um and then in 1975 yoko ono and john lennon have a son named sean so sean lennon with oh so he goes back to her yeah so they're together okay i guess he just has this like girl on the side that yoko gotcha so what it seemed like is she was like all right i need to reestablish who's boss here yeah through some weird methods and then you can go do your little fun thing but i'm the main b in charge um and then sad news oh i didn't write the date for this my bad um i think it was shortly after his son was born um john lennon was shot oh and yeah i i knew this in like a back corner of my mind but i forgot so he was at out in public and one of his fans (gasps) from hawaii came up and shot him because he was unhappy with the what john was standing for i think with like the vietnam war and all this like well i i don't know specifically but just that he was being too radical or the the statements john was making he didn't agree with this fan so the fan shot and killed him (gasps) yeah he died from it yeah oh my god (laughs) yeah so he was murdered um so Yoko Ono went into complete seclusion for a long time after this. Um, And then finally, she opened a John Lennon museum in 2002. So (laughs) she's still alive today um, and, you know, living life. But, yeah, they had a kind of tumultuous relationship, as it seems a lot of these, you know, rock star in the 60s, 70s, 50s, like June Carter and Johnny Cash, right? So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's their love story. It was kind of crazy. Lots going on. All over the place. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Some brainwashing. MK Ultra. <laughs> so weird, right? Ugh. Very weird. Yeah. Cool. Good love story. Music. Yeah. I have a theme. Okay. Without even needing to think about wow. it. Wow. Hey, I know. we're getting uh, more on top of it. We maybe. are. We are. Can I just tell you? Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> um, so this is on the top of my mind. Um, I don't know what to call it, but I want to do something like a 
stories about summer flings. Oh, that's good. That's mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Summer's right around the corner. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Love it. So that'll yes. be next week's theme. Perfect. Yay. That'll well, be fun. It will be. Love a good summer fling. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Uh, leave us a review follow us on Instagram Twitter TikTok all that Facebook yeah talk to you next week bye bye